You are listening to Fed by Ravens with Matt and Adam. Good morning, Matt. Good morning, Adam. Welcome to day 261 and 262 of Talking Through the Bible, Fed by Raven style. All right, just doing it today. Our Old Testament reading for today is Isaiah chapters 43 through 46. Oh, sweet Isaiah. <sighs> All right, so... That's such a heavy breath for a really upbeat kind of... You're right, it is. I'm sorry. Super Can upbeat you forgive today. me? Uh, I need more time than... Okay, know, than, cool. Right, than, maybe so, I'll forgive you by the end of this. This, this next chapter... You. Oh, thank you. I, I wasn't sure if I could go on. I can't withhold that stuff. All We're right. about to end Fed by Ravens here, live Man. on the air. We're not even... We're almost to... <laughs> Within 100 days of being done. Uh, fifth, almost 50 episodes, yeah. So these uh, next chapters that we're covering today, yes. uh, God gets very clear about who he is. Oh, yeah. Like, it's very... I, I don't think he's ever been clearer. It's so encouraging because... God will straight up answer, he answers some big questions mm-hmm. over and over again. And it is almost like a courtroom scene. Yeah. Like, He's constantly. give witness mm-hmm. and testify to what I have done, which changes, I don't know if you grew up, like, giving your testimony of, like, what God has done for you, mm-hmm. or witnessing, telling people about Christ. Witnessing has almost become, in my mind, a academic debate about proving God. Right. But really, the idea of witnessing is to go, yeah, I testify, we saw God do this. Yeah, God period. has done some crazy stuff in my life. And, and in witnessing or testifying <clears throat> to people about Christ, it's never your work to seal the deal and get them to believe it. It's simply to testify in court and mm-hmm. say, I saw God do this, I witnessed it, and so So in chapter 43, he's almost asking Israel to testify against itself. Yes. Like, you have seen all the things I've done. I've exchanged nations for you. I've wiped out nations. I've rearranged everything for you. And you have seen this, and yet you've still turned away and gone after idols that you have made. Exactly. <clears throat> and that, I mean, it's just going to cycle around that. Um, the little things I wrote down, fear not, mm-hmm. I have redeemed you. So he's... He's going to re-emphasize and reinforce who he is and who mm-hmm. we are in his world. Yes. It's like, you don't need to fear. I've redeemed you. I've called you by name. You are mine. Mm-hmm. Like, there's an end to exile because you are mine. I've called you by name. I'm going to hold your hand. You're precious in my sight. I love you. Something they say in soccer all the time, like different supporting clubs. I love you? Is, not I love you, but oh, okay. they say you'll never walk alone because the supporters oh, are here, no. right? But this comes from the Bible. God mm-hmm. says, you will never walk alone. <clears throat> I am the Lord, the, your holy one, the creator of Israel, your king. Mm-hmm. And then he says, your God is doing a new thing. You know yes. who's doing it? Have you ever heard this old song from the 80s? The Newsboys, I think. You know who's doing it? Who's doing it? You know, God's doing a new thing. You know, he's... It's a, oh, you got to look it up. Everyone, look up. God's doing a new thing. I, I forget it. I think it's Newsboys or something. It was in the early 90s. Classic Christian contemporary hmm. music. Hmm. But that's what came to mind. I was I know. You were, <laughs> you were still probably breastfeeding or doing something incredibly healthy. Because <laughs> <laughs> you were young. <laughs> I, just, I just wasn't allowed to listen to... 
Christian rock. We called it CCM, Christian Contemporary Music. Yeah, I know. And uh, it really blurred the lines of secular and sacred. That's it all really I can say. Did. But after all that, it says God is doing a new thing, which was cool. It, it, it made sense to me in a new way. The new thing is don't look back to the <clears> old way. Don't always look back to how God has done it, like from Egypt or how he's done it here. In the, like, look to a new thing. I'm sending you a new, I'm giving you a new beginning. Mm-hmm. I'm raising you up out of exile, mm-hmm. but I'm doing it in a new and different way, which is leading the way for Christ to come as servant king. Mm-hmm. We've tried it with powerful kings, but anyway, yeah. that's what hit me. Well, yeah, so like I was thinking about how, yes, he's talking about Christ in this, like right. on the big picture, like that's something new. <clears throat> he's coming to earth. But then even in like a more immediate application was God is constantly involved in our lives. Yes. And so he's like, you don't always have to look back to Egypt, the time that I, that you guys crossed the Red Sea. I'm doing something with you now. Yes. Like Perfect. always. Beautiful. There's always something new. I always have something new for you. And yes, look back at those old things when you need them. But remember that there's something new coming around the corner that I'm doing with you right now. There's, exactly. <clears throat> I love uh, it. But we do it through the same way, which yes. is trust me. Trust me. So the two verses in 43 that really stood out to me yeah. that I thought were just really awesome is the I am statements. So in 43 verse 11, he, he says, I, I am the Lord, and besides me there is no Savior. Right. Boom. Boom. Just drop the mic, walk away. And then he repeats in verse 25, I I am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake, and I will not remember your sins. And I just love that that those two statements of I am your Savior, and I will blot out your transgressions are in the Old Testament. Like this idea of forgiveness and restoration coming through God, initiated by God, Yes. Is clearly stated in the Old Testament. Clearly. Love it. I do too. And, and as you go into f- chapter 44, he starts dropping more ideas of water, pouring out water in the desert, like bringing mm-hmm. forth life in a place that is death, pouring out my spirit, blessing like a remnant, like all nations who want to be the Lord. Like he's yeah. going to raise up people like you and me thousands of years later, mm-hmm. Gentiles, who want to worship the, the Lord. And yes. so the themes, again, are you're chosen, fear not, and then there is no other God. Yeah. He's, there he, is no other he's God. He's trying to be super clear so, about that. So if you just want to learn some theological truths here, according to Isaiah mm-hmm. and according to the word of the Lord through him, God is the creator, mm-hmm. period. So creation is the fact. Yes. There is a designer. It is not random. There is a God who created, and there is no other way to be with, uh, to be blessed on this planet than to be with God. There is no other way to salvation, to security, to blessing than to be with this God. Mm-hmm. This is not up for debate <clears throat> in historic uh, Judaism, or if you want to call it that, and uh, Christianity. Mm-hmm. So those are decided for us here, and they're always surrounded with comfort. Yeah. Like, fear not. Mm-hmm. I'm with you. I'm fighting for you. He does then get into some serious uh, mocking of idolatry. Oh, man. It's and it's so the clearest good. here. It is so good. Uh, I love, so he uses the example of a guy goes out and cuts a tree down, mm-hmm. uses half of it for firewood, and then the other half he carves a god 
and bows down to it and asks it to save him. I'm like, oh man, that's so right. good. Like, yeah. So like, like you're worshiping something that you just burned up half of it to keep you warm and mm-hmm. feed you for a day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I wrote <clears throat> that down too. Half of it is burned up. So but I I love the idea of idolatry. Yes. Being worshiping the work of your own hands. Yes. Because I think we read this type of idolatry and it's like, that doesn't make any sense. Huh? That is stupid. And like even modern scientific man would say, who the atheists would say, yeah, they're superstitious people. What, what idiots. But when you get down to it of, right, but you still worship the work of your own hands. Right. You still look to the work of your own hands to save you. And you feel justified in that. And that's why all idols end up, whatever we make as our secure mm-hmm. place ends up burdening us mm-hmm. and putting on us slavery. Right. Because we start serving it to no end. <clears throat> yeah, so if you look at it as Work your, harder and harder. Make it work harder. As your job or money or a relationship, it's whatever you're serving and you're looking to for salvation, that's your idol. That's Bec- your God. Because idols don't have a Sabbath. Mm-hmm. You never get to enjoy the work of your hands. You have to keep going. Like, yeah. if you wrote a great movie, you better write another great movie because right. someone else is. Right. Like, keep it going. And so, praise God. He's like, okay, get rid of those idols. Mm -hmm. And then in 45, or at the end of 44, he starts predicting by name. I know. It blew my mind. Like, how clear Isaiah is getting this prophecy. Yeah. I mean, this is all during, like, Hezekiah time, right? Yeah. This is like 150 years out from Cyrus even being on the earth. Right. So, it's before he's born, and he says, Cyrus Mm -hmm. will be called a shepherd Mm -hmm. so like cyrus is going to be in the moses ranks of leading his people back so just to give you a little remind you thank you cyrus is a future king of persia right and persia is going to take over the whole world (laughs) essentially this whole world they're going to take over babylon but god has already put in the mouth of isaiah this prophecy that god's going to raise up a king from far away Mm -hmm. in persia who will have it in his heart to bring the people of God in, back into Israel to rebuild the temple. Yeah. And so God's promising that I'll do this. And it's so like this ironic and it's beautiful and it's hopeful because you're seeing that God is going to call a, a pagan king mm-hmm. for the sake of Israel. For the sake right. of Israel, God will put it in the heart of a pagan king to do what the... Israel Israel or Judean kings could not do. Right. And this pagan king will follow the Lord, again showing you that God can thwart the plans of the devil and use a pagan king to accomplish his purpose. Mm-hmm. Nothing can stop our God, uh, even down to the point of um, sending a prophet saying, hey, don't worry, your hope is going to be in a pagan king. I mean, it's shocking and it's a new thing. Like There's <laughs> there another, thing, there's yes. another new thing. Like, it's a shame I couldn't raise up a king mm-hmm. among you mm-hmm. and kings, so I'm going to do it outside of you because we need to cleanse the land. Why? Because it's been, um, its Sabbaths have been stolen from it. Yes. And when you don't Sabbath, you end up worshiping the work of your hands and it will continue to whip you mm-hmm. and beat you until you're dead. <laughs> and so I am going to interact in a way that might seem harsh at first, but actually it's going to bring back Sabbath and bring you back to the land. But I, was, I also, the last thing for that for me is if God can use the plans of the devil and a pagan king to accomplish his will, how much more can he accomplish through us? 
Right. Just going, Lord, uh, your will be done. Mm-hmm. I want to follow you. I invite you into my mm-hmm. boring day today. It's like that is so much more powerful than you think. It's more powerful right. than you can imagine. I think so. Okay. Yeah, so the first half of 45 is basically dealing with that and what he's going to use Cyrus for, this king that hasn't even been born yet, to solve a problem that hasn't happened yet. <laughs> like mm-hmm. they're, they're, Babylon has still not even become a real powerhouse yet. And so it's just an amazing like reassurance for the future of, hey, things are going to look real rough. Yeah. Because... The well, land needs to be cleansed, and you guys have not done enough, this. but yeah. I'm going to comfort you. And then the second half, again, is the Lord very clearly declaring all of this. But don't be confused. Cyrus is just my shepherd. Yeah. Like, it is me. All of this work, everything that I have done, or all the things that have happened to you, it's all through me. I have done it all. Uh, and I do love, there's like two great concepts just kind of buried away in this uh, chapter is, uh, where is it? Oh no, I lost it. Oh, in verse 15 of 45, mm-hmm. truly you are a God who hides himself. O God of Israel, the savior. Yeah. And this idea that God is, uh, there's this idea of God is a hidden God. And it's basically what he's always done is he hides himself to a degree from us. So he doesn't destroy us. Right. So he can interact with us to, without annihilating us. Right. <clears throat> Which is really cool. I like that idea. And it's just kind of, boom, here it is. And then, um, I just thought it was interesting. There's uh, something about creation yeah. in here. A lot. And he says, uh, he formed the earth and made it. He established it. He did not create it empty. He formed it to be inhabited. Yes. And yeah. this idea of, like, just a little thing of, like, creation... He formed the earth. He made people. He made he made all the animals. He made everything that goes into the earth. And he didn't create it empty to be, I don't know. For me, I just read that and was like, oh, yeah, that's I, a pretty strong creation argument. It right goes there. with all the creation that there's a designer with mm-hmm. a purpose and a meaning for his creation. Yeah. And he's not going to let it go just because the creation rebels. Yes. It's like he can overcome that. And that's why he says you'll never be put to shame as he calls all nations. So even his... You know, we are mm. adopted into son as sons, but he still loves the whole world. Yeah. And he's calling them to himself. And, and for me, it was verse 22. He says, Isaiah says, turn to me and be saved. He's speaking the, God, the words of God. Turn to me and be saved all the ends of the earth, for I am God and there is no other. Yes, that's good. Uh, and, and then you get into 46, where again, idols become a burden and all things... Um, we worship end up enslaving us or burdening us, except mm-hmm. for God who ends mm-hmm. up setting us free and calling us his children. Yeah, and in 46, it's specifically the two great gods of Babylon, yeah. Bel and Nebo. And Bel is the main god, and it's kind of their form of Baal. And then Nebo is the son of Bel. And so, again, you even see that in the names. Like when we get into Daniel, Daniel is renamed Bel- Belteshazzar or whatever. Yeah. And then Nebuchadnezzar, Nebo. Um, there you go. But this idea of those gods who will carry you into exile, they themselves will be carried into exile exactly. one day. Yeah. They will be strapped onto donkeys and carried into a city as because like, that's, plunder and loot. That's how the world works. Mm-hmm. Uh, death and taxes and every political leader will come tumbling down through death 
or coup at some point. Yes. The verse, though, uh, it kind of says it all for me in, in chapter 46, the second part of verse 4. I have made, well, so basically I will carry you. I have made you, I will bear you, I will carry and save you. Mm. Like, it's... That's what our God does for yes. us. Yeah. He makes us... Where we have to carry he bears our us other gods. He carries us <laughs> and he saves us. Yeah, we're not we're not carrying around all these things. Cool, man. That's good news from Isaiah. And mm-hmm. it's crazy that he I mean, God gave him the future for our benefit. And in a sense, we know the future. In the end, I mean, God doesn't reveal to us the future in this life of everything, but he has revealed to us the end that Christ is coming back and all things will be restored. So that's pretty sweet. And I'm putting my hope in that. We won't be ashamed for trusting in that. Sweet. New Testament time. Our New Testament reading for today is Galatians chapter 3, verse 26, through chapter 5, verse 6. So, Paul is working his way to the heart of the argument, or the root of the problem, in the churches of Galatia. And right now, he's finishing up the argument of... Uh, law and gospel and how the two interact and work together. Yeah, they're not against each other. It's not like Old Testament salvation is different than New Testament Mm -hmm. salvation. It's all in concert. Yes, or you're not getting the order flipped. Yes. The Judaizers are flipping the order. Mm -hmm. We all have Christ too. Now let's add on all the laws Mm -hmm. of the Old Testament to prove... And again, I don't think we can say it enough. In our culture where it's not, um, we don't believe, we just don't believe in God. Right. Because of whatever. It's very tempting to make um, our trust and faith in Christ dependent on things we can see, and we can see our lives, and so we make it dependent on the works that we do to say, oh, I'm safe because I pray, I read the Mm -hmm. Bible, and Paul's going, no, you're saved because Jesus Christ died and rose again, and the Spirit of God is upon you to say, I believe that. That's how you're justified. Yeah. Sanctification will produce fruits, Yes. but that is the root of the issue in the tree. So again, it's don't look to the work of your own hands. Look to the work of Christ. Yes. And how do we look to the work of Christ, or how do we gain access to the work of Christ? Well, that's the next question, right? So yes. he says in today's reading, uh, we are in Christ. Yeah, he says, for in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. So interesting language, right? So now he's coming back to your sons of God. You want to see that Mm -hmm. you're saved. You don't look to your works. Well, what do we look to? Okay, I look to Christ and I'm his son through faith. Then he says, because so in my mind it goes, so we are all sons of God through faith. My question is, how? How? How are we sons of God through faith? And his answer, Paul's answer is, for as many of you as were baptized into Christ, have put on Christ. So if you, here's, here's what you look to, folks. Yes. This is mind-blowing because yes. you don't look to your works of good works. Mm-hmm. You look to the work that God set up. He says, I'm going to give you a sign on earth that mm-hmm. is an actual tangible thing for you to look at and go, I'm safe. And it's baptism, mm-hmm. according to Paul. Yeah. Which is pretty amazing because uh, you have to think of it. We're gonna, and he's going to flesh it out here mm-hmm. as in terms of, uh, in fact, he's going to use the adoption yeah, narrative. Yeah, it's an adoption. It's an adoption. So 
uh, I grew up thinking you aren't saved just because your parents are saved and you're not saved just because you got baptized. You're saved because you made a decision to follow Christ. Right. And the truth of that is you're saved because God saved you. Yeah. And yes, you're going to make a decision and I make a daily decision to follow Christ. Mm -hmm. So don't worry. There's lots to do still. (laughs) But your faith is in the work of God on the cross. Mm -hmm. And the way God set it up is to say, I want you to know that you're in this so be baptized. That's a baptism is a work of God mm-hmm. that He puts on you. And then I know several of our friends, and I grew up this way. They they're like, well, I like want my children to be baptized when they can make a decision for Christ. Right. Fair enough. But let's frame the argument the way Paul would. Um, how many people do we know that were adopted as teenagers? They made a decision to say, I want you to be my parents. How many people did that? As orphan children. I don't know a whole lot. I don't know any. I mean, you were adopted. I was adopted. And how old were you when you were adopted? Uh, probably one. 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 Did you make a decision to no, be adopted? I did not. Do you wish you could have made that decision and chose your parents instead? Actually, no. No, right. And so if we look at baptism as adoption, mm-hmm. it's a gracious thing to adopt a baby mm-hmm. and it say, is. I'm giving you my name. You're in my family. You're receiving my love. Not because you've done anything, but we've chosen to bring you into our family. And there is an actual day when you were adopted, right? Right. There is an event. Do you remember it? No. But you are told about it. Yes. And your life reflects that decision that your parents made because now you carry the name. Yeah. And you carry all the things that family. So what's helpful in baptism, according to Paul, is like we don't look to our works. We Mm -hmm. look to that day when God went before the judge, and adopted you. Some of us were babies, praise God. Some of us lived lives as orphans, mm-hmm. and we were like, please adopt me. Mm-hmm. And he did. I'm not saying one way is wrong, one way is right, but I am saying it's a work of God. And so when you need to be um, encouraged that you are saved, have you been baptized? Right. Look back to it, because that was when you were put into Christ, right? Because yeah. here he goes, he says... The identity of it is you have a new identity. You have a new identity. And he's saying baptism is the way we're now brought into the fold and into the family because it doesn't matter if you're Jew or Greek now. Well, straight up, he says, it is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, no male or female, for you are all one in Christ. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. So if baptism is adoption, yes, that's why... We're all adopted into him, so mm-hmm. it doesn't matter. Right. Your new identity now is son of God, daughter of God, and you get, what do you get for being adopted? You get unity, you get the name, and you get the, the offspring, you become the offspring, the heir according to the promise. That mm-hmm. means you get the inheritance, which is your salvation. You get, you're in the family. Yeah. And he gives us this so that we don't have to spend our lives freaking out. Are you my mother? Mm-hmm. Am I really adopted? Mm-hmm. I'm only in if I'm good. Like, I have my best friend. I could be like, am I part of the, the, the Andersons' family? Because yeah. I basically am. They love me, and they love, but I'm not a part of their family. You know how I know? Because when people pass away in their family, I don't get inheritance. Oh, really? No. Oh. Because oh. I was never legally adopted into their family. But oh. I received all the benefits. Anyway, this Man. is, God wants us to know this. And, um, and then Paul goes into... He goes deep into sons and heirs and what it means in chapter four. So let's Yeah, and again, I think it's so in chapter four, I think it's again that he's 
building out this uh, analogy as a framework now to go understanding how the law and the gospel fit together. Right. And so he's like, okay, you're children. That's just, that's a guarantee. You are in, you are a child of God. Now, as ch- children, we all have guardians and people who are teaching and instructing us, and that's the law. Because, he, yeah, he has to prove, he has to prove to the Jewish folks mm-hmm. and the Gentiles. Yes. Look, you guys are all starting in the same place. Yes. But he brings the law back because he's mm-hmm. not saying, I know Jews, you think, oh, there's no law now? No, yeah. we still yeah. got the law. And Gentiles, like, oh, we have to have all the law? No, mm-hmm. it's different than you think because right. now you're in the family. Mm-hmm. And so the law is just instructing us how now when we're in the family, this is just how we act. This is training us. But one day when you are old enough to inherit the things, like when usually, like using our language, when you're 18, right. you, you can inherit the estate if you know, you can take part, you can make decisions, you can do this. And so all of a sudden, the law that was guiding and instructing you is now no longer, you're no longer a slave to it. You now can act freely within it because you've been given this gift of freedom through like, oh, you're an adult now. You've come of age and now you can handle these things maturely. Exactly. And so as you grow up, Children under the law growing up into the gospel. Mm-hmm. And this is where he fills out this idea. Baptism is adoption. Like in verse 5 of chapter 4, I mean straight up, um, or verse 6. And because now you you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Mm-hmm. So you've been united into Christ through mm-hmm. baptism, breaking down all the creaturely distinctions, although we still have, we still experience those in this world, but now know the gospel sets us free. The law no longer condemns us because we're in Christ. Mm-hmm. And now you get to, full of the Spirit, cry out to the God of the universe, Abba, Father. Yeah. You are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then heir through God. So he nails that home. And he says, but his question is, why then are you guys... What's changed? Right. Now you're going back like to the orphanage mm-hmm. and you're trying to figure out how to secure freedom and inheritance on your own. Um, that's where he gets to next. So he really mm-hmm. lays down the theology. Here's who we are. Here's how I can say this. And now he's getting into a section of practicality of why do I hear you guys going back to the law mm-hmm. only? That's when, you were or- that's when you were like orphans and it was, you didn't know if you inherited the promise because right. it's up to your works. Right. Anyway, yeah, Daddy Warbucks hasn't visited the orphanage. And he's like, I thought we felt for each other. Like, there's a very pastoral, like, what's going on? Why are you guys, the Judaizers are trying to isolate you Mm -hmm. and pull you apart because, you know, part of the law is don't eat with Gentiles. And they're bringing back this whole idea of separation of what God has united in baptism to Christ. Mm -hmm. And so Paul wants, and he has this great line, like, all I'm longing for you is not to become followers of me, but for Christ to be formed in you. Yes. Like, you are in the family. Um, so he gets, he gets. I don't know if you have anything else to add during that kind of, his section there. No, no. He's, just, he's in anguish over this. He's just trying to go figure out what's changed. Yeah. Like, you guys would have done anything for me because of this good news I brought. Right. But now you guys are questioning everything. What's going on? And then... Then he continues and he builds out another analogy. That well, he, he comes back to, in case you don't believe us mm-hmm. or Paul, that he's serious about saying baptism is the day the judge legally uh, 
signed up, he stamped your adoption papers into the family of God so that you would never doubt your salvation mm-hmm. again. Um, he gives another example of that. And right. he uses Hagar and Sarah. And this is beautiful because he flips it. He like takes, it's like if someone like reaches out to attack you and you know how like there's some good mm-hmm. Kung Fu guys that can take the arm and then flip it. Yes. So then the attacker ends up on his back. Paul does this with uh, the argument of the Judaizers so brilliantly by using the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. And he uses the whole, I, okay, so you desire to be under the law again because you feel like the law is a little bit more safe than this faith thing. Yeah. Because I can trace my works, I can mm-hmm. trace it back and go, well, this mm-hmm. is true, this is false. But Paul's like, okay, let's just use um, this idea that those who can trace back their lineage to Abraham are the true children of Abraham. Yes. So legally, are you born in the line of Abraham or not? Mm-hmm. And that's what the Judaizers were doing to this community. And they're going, oh no, we're not born. So what do we have to do? You have to do some things to prove that you're really a son of Abraham. Yes. And Paul's like, why are you going back to that? Mm-hmm. Let me break it down. In fact, Abraham had two sons, one by a slave woman and one by a free woman. Mm-hmm. So the slave woman, just to refresh everyone's mind, is Hagar, who is an Egyptian handmaid. Yes. So Abraham already, even in the, the seed form of the nation of Israel, <laughs> we're looking to Egypt to save, save them. them. Yes. Yeah, I know. Crazy. And so Ishmael is born from the concubine when Abraham's trying to solve the problem on his own. Yes, because God gave him a promise yes. that a child would come that he could not create on his own. Right. And instead, he tried to figure it out. And legally, Ishmael was his son. Right. Through so, legal means, because it was... A son through his slave. And Ishmael legally is the firstborn mm-hmm. and rightful heir to as a firstborn child. Yes. But we know from the story, and Paul does too, but we know the free woman, Sarah, mm-hmm. gave birth to a son named Isaac. And he's known as the child of promise. Mm-hmm. And they laughed. His name even means laughter because mm-hmm. they couldn't do it on their own. Right. It had to come through God. And so he clearly says, look, there's like two mountains. There's two places you come from. So if you want to go legally, the Judaizers are legal children of the slave woman. Mm-hmm. So he flips it. Yes. He's saying, you don't want to be a legal remnant of Abraham. Right. Because actually that's the slave. Yes. That's the law. So yes, by law, you, one of you guys might be connected to Abraham, and the Gentiles aren't. But that's the law, and that's a promise of death. That's mm-hmm. not. That's nothing. That's a physical promise. Not even physical promise. That's physical law. We are children of the promise, and so actually, he says, "I love this." He re, he even quotes, I think Isaiah, "Rejoice, O barren one." Mm-hmm. Or no, he just I forget what that quote's from. It's Isaiah. Isaiah. Rejoice, O barren one who does not bear. Break forth and cry aloud, you who are not in labor. For the children of the desolate one will be more than those of the one who has a husband. So that's saying the desolate woman mm-hmm. was, has brought forth the children of promise. So all who have the faith of Abraham, the faith, you are the children of promise. So therefore his conclusion is, brothers, like Isaac... You are children of promise. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is what the scripture says. Cast off the slave woman. And so the old, the thing was, and there's a reference to where Ishmael made fun of yes. Isaac yes. as like the younger brother. And Paul's like, look, the older brother, the legal brother always makes fun of the child of promise. Right. That's what's happening here. Don't return to that. Right. Don't return to your slavery. You are children of promise um, because in Christ now we are all 
baptized into Christ, receiving this promise, mm-hmm. and that's how you get the heir, uh, the inheritance. And the children of promise are a work of God, not right. something we've created. We're born according to the Spirit, yes. Mm-hmm. And so... I, I think that's why he's hitting this, too, is because the Gentiles, for them to be a part of this, seems impossible. Yeah. Like, it would have to come from a barren woman, and that's impossible. But it's a work of God, so therefore, it's not impossible. It's a promise, and it's a work that he's done on our behalf. Exactly. And so, we get through chapter 5, verse 6. One of my favorite, I've written papers on this for back in seminary. Mm-hmm. I just love this idea. It's for freedom, for freedom Christ has set us free. Like, what a great line. Why are you set free? To be free. Yeah. For freedom's sake, you have been set free. And so he's like, "Do stand firm. Like, don't return again to a yoke of slavery. And in this specific case, one of the requirements was you need to get circumcised. Mm-hmm. You need to do these things of the law to really be blessed. And Paul's mm-hmm. like, no, you're free from that. Right. Don't return to it. Um, it's a yoke. It's heavy on you. And then, in fact, he even says, uh, you, if you cut, you know, if you get circumcised, you're basically cutting yourself off from Christ. Mm-hmm. Don't do that. Don't do that. Yeah, because he's like, don't trust in, again, don't trust in these works to save you. Right. You don't need those. And those which, were a symbol to point you to Christ. Exactly. But see, here's what's confusing. Don't trust in circumcision, but trust in your baptism. Mm-hmm. But he's like, no, no, no. You're not trusting in the baptism for baptism's sake. You're trusting in God saying, you're my child now. And it's a bloodless, water, boy, girl, Mm -hmm. beautiful symbol and and powerful statement of God saying, you're my child now. Yes, It's something he does for you. Whereas circumcision is a work, also was a work of faith, but Mm -hmm. now it's no longer necessary. You're free Mm -hmm. from that. So don't go back to that. That's under the law. Baptism is under the gospel. Um, The last line there is, that we're covering today. For through the Spirit, by faith, we ourselves eagerly await for the hope of righteousness. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through love. So to sum it all up, you're, you're saved by grace through faith. God initiates something in you. And we can look at His grace in baptism, Mm -hmm. but it all strengthens our faith. So like today, do you love Jesus? Yes. Then be assured you're safe. (laughs) Were you baptized into it? Yeah, you're born it. So you Mm -hmm. have the freedom to say, I love you, Jesus. So feel assured in that and don't return to uh, using your works or your feelings or anything to establish that seminal truth that you are God's child. Um, It's for freedom that you are free. Read Psalm 108, verses 1 through 5. My heart is steadfast, O God. I will sing and make melody with all my being. Awake, O harp and lyre. I will awake the dawn. I will give thanks to you, O Lord, among the peoples. I will sing praises to you among the nations. For your steadfast love is great above the heavens. Your faithfulness reaches to the clouds. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. Boom! You've just been fed by ravens. 
Go in peace and serve the Lord. We will talk to you next time.